All right, hey everybody, uh, welcome down to the first ever Dive Bar Mitzvah. My name is Ian, I am your host, Hot Damn. Um, today uh, is, is it's a lovely day outside, it's a, well it was, now it's just kind of getting overcast, but it's a lovely September afternoon, evening, I'm here with a friend of mine, and this is a great time to start a podcast uh, for, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it's been a big week of firsts for me. I've lived here in town for uh, over 20 years now, which is horrible to think about but true <laughs> and um me too really yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird how how yeah it's just like i remember 10 years ago going that happened a decade ago and feeling really old yeah that happened a decade ago yeah. and now i feel really fucking old <laughs> um but for the first time ever um i went to go to paisley park i went to go see prince this weekend this weekend being uh, labor day weekend and he had a big huge fucking three-day jam i believe is what they call it and it was a to-do. Now, I never went to Paisley Park before, and I always, I always felt bad about that because I figured, you know, future Ian, someone would ask and go, hey, you lived in the same town as Prince. He regularly had parties, and you had better shit to do. And I'm like, uh. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of true because... Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of true because, the, I mean, I, I never wanted to go because it's like, I always assumed it was going to be like, I was going to have to drive a fucking half hour. I'd have to, you know, park in the middle of nowhere uh, walk forever to get to Paisley Park, and then after it was all said and done, spend twenty dollars, and Prince wouldn't be there. Right. Um, this is exactly what it was like with one key difference. It was forty dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and Prince still wasn't there. I got there, I saw some third-rate, you know, but decent, but you know, funk band play with a guitar player that kind of looked like Prince. Um, so everybody's like, "Is that Prince?" Like, that's not Prince. And then the other room, like they played the new album. And then everybody goes back to the rock and roll side, like where the band's set up, and everybody's like, hot fuck. The Prince uh, is going to be here, and it's going to be awesome. Right. And uh, then the bouncers went, time to go home, everybody. And it was like, you know, it was like 1230. It was still early. And I spent 40 fucking dollars to go there. And it was a real to, fucking To listen out. to a CD. To listen to a, a, a CD that I wouldn't have paid. Well, you can't not pay because he won't let anyone download exactly. it. So exactly. So I just, I spent $40 to go see Prince for reasons that are entirely vague to me. Uh, but anyway, that was a first. Um, yeah, I'd never made the journey out to Paisley Park before. And this time I did. And uh, this is also a good, because this is the first time we're doing uh, this podcast. Uh, and we're doing it in a place, it's the first place I ever hosted events. I hosted an event here at the bar we're at today. Uh, Northeast Palace is what it's called now. It used to be called Tubby's back in the day. Before that, it was called the Chance Bar. And no matter if you're coming like westbound, it would say the first chance. If you're going eastbound, it would be the last chance bar. It looked like a cool place back in the day. But by the time I was here, when it was Tubby's, um, it was not so much. It was just kind of a bar where uh, there'd be like four Mexican guys about to fight. And that's all that ever really happened here. And I thought yeah. this would be a good place to do punk karaoke, which is the first event I hosted. That was 15 fucking years ago. Um, and I thought, well, what better place to start this podcast than in the nicely redone patio here? This used to just be where they threw old refrigerators, <laughs> I think. Uh, now they actually have a patio. It looks pretty decent um, at the Northeast Palace. And I'm here with somebody who I met kind of through punk karaoke because I made one of your creations a regular feature at punk karaoke because i mean punk karaoke was pretty normal karaoke in many ways other than the songs being punk but i'd also occasionally do dramatic readings from a book that was handed to me in a parking lot by our guest today uh it was called skin deep and it it, it changed my life and (laughs) i'm introducing our guest right now miss Raina may say hey hey hi thank you for letting me be on your podcast i remember coming to that and i remember riding my bike up here to tubbies a few times and thinking that's so goddamn far away and now i own a house up here because yeah. it's 20 years later yep 
<laughs> That's what we do. Um, but so, and when I got the, uh, when I got skin deep, and ex- quickly uh, after you light your smoke, because that's a good thing about being on a patio, we actually can smoke. Explain to me what uh, skin deep was. Uh, skin deep, skin deep was a, skin deep was a zine. It was full of poetry, and it was written from the perspective of a racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, like fifteen to sixteen year old skinhead. Yeah. Who is also gay in some of them? Yeah, yeah. homoerotic homophobia. I mean, it's, it's like that's how that's what happens a lot in in real life. So why not capture that just a little? There's a lot of it's like you know when bros get like real friendly with each other and they're like no homo like yeah. that kind of. But it really is like very when like, throwing down and, goes on the down low. Yeah, yeah. And it was all written in by hand. With uh, with illustrations yeah. um, of you know strapping young men in in you know like plaid and suspenders. Yeah. Um, do you remember any of these? Cause I was racking my head, and I, I, I know I have some in the. I know I have. I still have an issue in the basement. I only had the one issue, and I got a lot of mileage out of that. Yeah. Like literally every week we would have a moment for skid had poetry. Someone would come up and play the bongos behind me while I do this. Because, I wish I would have known. Oh no! And <laughs> the great thing is, I lived under uh, plausible deniability because I didn't really know you. So I could pass right. this off as being real. Right. Even though you'd have to be really stupid to think it was, but yeah. everybody was really stupid. And yeah. we always kind of acted like it was a real thing, which added a certain air yeah. to it. But anyway. I think, yeah, I think it happened because we were so used to, me and my friends were so used to going to the bars and there was like these like reg- the skinheads in town that were like real angry asshole yeah. people. And as, as, you know, which really yeah. flies in the face of convention when it yeah. comes to skinheads. <laughs> and so we... we sort of just like wrote it wrote them all to make fun of them and I was like this never needs to get out like <laughs> the first the first one had about 15 poems and 15 I was like, great poems and I was like this never needs to get out I went on vacation I actually went to like New Orleans and New York mm-hmm. I think this time and uh, I came back and somebody had stolen out of my bedroom and put out like 20 copies so I went back to work and I added like 20 more poems and so the first one that you got mm-hmm. was that okay it was obviously it was Satire, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, really, on the point, satire. I mean, in this, and it was, you know, just a zine. It was a little tiny Xerox thing. So I mean, it, it. I think that its medium did a real good job of explaining the message because it was just so lo-fi. It could, it, it kind of transcended. It could be real, like you know, like a Blair Witch or like a. Uh, um, Night of the Living Dead, or just looks yeah. so shitty. Well, maybe this is an artifact of yeah. another culture that I don't understand, N- namely uh, homophobic <laughs> skinheads who are kind of yeah. gay. Yeah, I, I love that. Like, I mean, given like me and my friends did it, so it's like a compliment to myself. But I love that kind of <laughs> that kind of satire that like really just rides the line. Yeah, like I was trying to do a funny, like a funny like two minute sketch on pet psychics and I looked up this woman this local woman in town really? her pet psychic website. we're big enough of a metro area where we can have our oh, own pet psychic hell yeah. oh, that's awesome and her it's off the chain it is crazy I loved it like I copied part of it and performed it so now this is kind of me just kind of laying groundwork for the introduction to you because you weren't doing comedy at the time like this no. is yeah. I mean and to give you a little bit of background I mean you won funniest person the day job you're and you just got back from a tour right well I, I went to a festival yeah yeah in Chicago I mean and you're out there doing it, but this was years before you'd started taking doing comedy, comedy yeah. seriously how did you transition from just being like the funny chick 
I mean, yeah. and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but because people yeah. say chick, I don't mean it that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how did you go from just being, you know, the funny one around to actually having the balls to do it on stage? Uh, I think I just wanted a huge change in my life. Yeah. Something like I, I'd always wanted to do comedy. Uh, wanted to do stand-up comedy, but then like the pe- I didn't know a lot of people who did it, and it didn't seem like there was a lot of people as weird as me yeah. doing it. And yeah, I think, and that's true. Because I mean, especially I think the back then, really the comedy turned. scene was really. I mean, it was weird to be a female comic. Yeah. Let alone you know if you had weird, any other curveballs to yeah. it. Yeah. And I think it just at one point I started. I didn't even start doing stand-up comedy. I started doing uh, speeches. Yeah. Uh, informational I would call them informational speeches like at parties and punk shows and stuff and then like Mary Mack saw me and Tim Harmson saw me and they said you have to actually try to do stand up so I started doing stand up and I was like I don't think this is for me and then I was like I love it yeah Um, now when you as we talked about this earlier because I mean we were both kind of you know scraggly early 20 somethings uh, somewhat uh, either enamored or kind of into uh, the local punk scene um, you had a big part in organizing uh, a local kind of illegal room for yeah. a while. And yeah, I, the I remember, Yeah, I mean, that we can actually talk about. Yeah, um, we can talk yeah. about it now. Because oh, God. On, yeah, because <laughs> this, um, <laughs> there's going to be some callbacks to drinking with the NL here, so I can't get around it. Yeah. Uh, Raina was nice enough to come to an early taping we did at the 7th Street Entry, where the, and one of the guests that night, we did like four episodes fucking night. Uh, with Steve McClellan. Now, Steve's an old friend of mine. I think Steve's going to actually be one of the next guests on That's here. That's awesome. I love Steve. Steve's, Steve's spectacular. Uh, Steve basically give you like a tiny bit of background. He started First Avenue. He named it. He did all that shit. Uh, and he's just, he's a great champion of local things. And he's always kind of plugged in. But he's also, at this point, was probably in his late 50s and... Um, didn't necessarily understand all of the all the politics in going on even a bullshit cable access show and talking about local scenes and he was thinking I was hip like oh you should be doing this at Mala and you were in the audience for this and what happened yeah well you know given I was pretty I was drinking pretty heavily back we did four episodes a night yeah so uh yeah I was one of the people running the Mala and that was just sort of when people were finding out about shows on the internet and in social media and stuff and we would censor ourselves we wouldn't let people use the word mala yeah because like on tc punk which was like the message board you know those pre-facebook days how word would get around about shit they actually set up a blocker where you could not type the letters m-a-l-a after each other so if you're using one of the three words that has mala in it it would just be a series of accents which kind of just drew attention to it more than anything yeah but still in retrospect like pretty smart considering what's happened in the recent yeah well, what do you mean but, by that? Well, there's been house shows shut down because the cops just figured out the name of the show and yeah. searched it and found the address real easy. So, anyways, so Steve, uh, Steve started, uh, and you know, I was roommates with Tim Carroll from Faggot. Oh yeah, the band Faggot. America and, loves Tim Carroll. And Tim, Tim told Steve about the Mala. I remember him specifically hyping yeah. it up to Steve. And so when Steve gets as on Tim your, would, yeah, yeah, of course. And St- Tim, Steve gets on your stage, and I see it happening. I see him talking about up and coming venues and stuff, and I see him start talking about the mala. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what yeah. to do. They'll probably put it on TV. I have, to, I'm panicking. And and, and, and see, and, and and you had this crisis of self. Yeah. You know, as as a uh, as a drunk person standing at a bar, realizing cover might be blown, and there are a number of ways that you could take control of the situation and I say you probably took one of the more direct ways 
Yeah, instead of just asking you guys nicely later to, to edit, edit it out, out yeah. like it, it occurred to me, like that might not be a possibility. Maybe they won't be nice about that. Yeah. I don't know. I, we, we still weren't really friends yeah. at that point. No. And so I decided to yell swear words, the most foul swear words I could possibly think of at you guys on stage. Close. I mean, you were well, not but eight feet away. Yeah. Like, I mean, you were yeah. like in the first row. My I remember intention, specific, yeah. My intention was to ruin that part of the taping. Yeah. And, so yeah. I did that. And, and, and masterfully so. Um, I believe we did end up either censoring it out or chopping the whole thing I know out. what you did. Uh, Ollie Stench uh, put the, the, wor- the words to Shakespeare oh, something or okay. other. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, we're not any place like Mall today. And I should mention um, when we were setting this up, you know, I believe all of 20 hours ago, um, I called in here because I didn't know where we were going to do this for a while. And I was like, well, Northeast Palace is like a great, it's a supreme dive bar. And and the only thing they have going on today is the open jam. Um, Sweet. Yeah. And I was told that was going to start in a half an hour, but they've but been practicing tuning, for a while. They've been tuning, tuning for a half an hour. They're tuning instruments for the open tuning, jam. Yeah. yeah. They're tuning their synthesizer, their keyboard up there. Yeah. They're making sure that yeah. it's, it's properly right. <laughs> and um, one of the rules we have at Dive Bar Mitzvah, which I just made up, um, is that it, it, every bar, we're, we're going to do a different bar every week. That's the plan. It's kind of a, a lofty schedule for somebody to lack the days close I am, but we'll see what happens. But a different bar every week, different guest. Most of the time they haven't been there before, but if there is a house drink, we will have it. And right now, um, we have a fishbowl. I mean, and I don't, how much do you think that weighs? I mean, that is an That's impressive... That's a five-pound fishbowl. A five-pound fishbowl. I believe it's called the Palace Monkey. Yeah. I think it's what it's called. Um, it was $18. Oh, wow. Thank yeah, you. I know, right? Thanks, yeah, Ian. Exactly. You better put out. And, uh, <laughs> and it is a red... Content. It is put a, out content. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Meant. Exactly. Um, and it's a, it's a nut comforting red and i haven't had a sip yet but i can smell the malibu rum from here oh yeah um yeah and let's put it let's try to arrange it in between the microphones it has nine count them nine nine thousand calories yeah no uh (laughs) straws sticking out of it all of which are very short because they think that we uh have more friends yeah that we thought there's no way that these two people are going to drink it that's actually not bad this tastes like hawaiian punch or a tahitian treat yeah Really that's not, not bad. There's stuff inside the bowl, though. I picked well, something out earlier. Well, it's probably part of the fish. Yeah. I used to live there. <laughs> little fish poop. And it did look like, yeah, it did look like fish poop when I got it after I spent the $18. And I tipped $2 because I'm not a cheap prick. I was I um, was in Hopkins and New Hope, and New Hope uh, a couple months ago seeing a terrible comedy show. And uh, there was a very wasted, they also have fish yeah. bowls. And there was a very wasted lady outside who had brought her fish bowl with her somehow. They didn't catch her. And it had ice in it. And I said to her, she goes, I used to be a comedian. I can do better than that guy. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, oh, no. And that was Elaine Boozler. Yeah. <laughs> Rita Rudner hanging out in the fishbowl in and New Hope. I said to her, I'm standing next to Pat Sussmulch, uh, and we're just sort of giving her shit. And I was like, oh, your, your fish are going to die. There's way too much ice <laughs> in that fishbowl. Yeah. What else can you do? And she goes, you're not funny either. You need to step up your game. And so, since then, like, any time I feel like I didn't do a good job, like, and Pat's around, you need to step up your game. And this, yeah, I mean, and, and I spent the, I, I, you're taking it back. What the fuck? I I'm not done. No, I'm not, no, 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 I, no, my beer is gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was going to get and another that, beer when I went up there. That actually took up the whole recording budget. So yeah, exactly. We got to um, split it. But yeah, after I spent the 18 bones on this, I, uh, I ended up having to pick something off the top. <laughs> and I think literally like, what the fuck was that? Um, so I don't know. Just a fruit flyer. Maybe some congealed no, fruit in the bottom. I'm really good at, I, I, that's one of the few skills I have. And then, you know, to tie back into the uh, 
the idea of the podcast. I mean, I know every bar. I've been to pretty much every bar in the metropolitan area, and that's not even something I'm proud of anymore. Like, I used to be proud of it. Now it's yeah. just a fact. <laughs> but another thing I have is I can fucking identify a fruit fly in a drink by 20, from 20 feet. Like, I instant, <laughs> I can see it in ice. That would be a fun I have set back so many drinks because I'm like, there's fucking fruit flies. They're like, no, there's not. I'm like, there's a frozen fl- fruit fly in this fucking drink. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Give me back my money. I'll drink it. But if I'm going to yeah. give you six bucks for this fucking yeah. drink. I don't want a fucking fruit fly, or at least a readily identifiable one. Yeah, you just don't want to see it. I get it. I mean, but I feel like if I can, like, I grew up Catholic. Did you? Did you? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. I feel like if I can split one glass of wine with 250 people, like, this this drink isn't going to get me down. Yeah, that's true. By So, to have a number of fruit flies in there, it seems more communal. Yeah. It seems like a sharing thing. That fruit fly probably wasn't on somebody else's mouth. No, no, exactly. I mean, I assume fruit flies are clean. They don't have, they don't have much surf, surface area. I mean, yeah. what could you what could you possibly? Yeah, I they're mean, only interested in fruit. Yeah, uh, I mean, it sounds like the open jam is going to be starting shortly. So if you hear something like that, that is not our music bed. No, no, no. We are here at the Northeast Palace on Open Jam Night. Um, now, I mentioned earlier you won uh, funniest person in Twin Cities. How'd that go? Our friend, the funniest person in the Twin Cities with a day job. Yeah, it's the name brand of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was exciting and fun. Uh, that was kind of when, uh, like, around the time that I really was starting to really take comedy seriously. Oh, so you were still pretty green. At this I was point. so green. Okay. Super green. I I was signing up for my first um, showcase at the House of Comedy, and they canceled that week and decided to do the start the contest. And, and you so, just, so they, you just by circumstance so happened me, to be in for it. Yeah, and so I saw that they were starting the contest, so I signed up for the contest. And I had friends who did comedy who were like, you should sign up. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. Yeah. But I did it anyways, and I ended and, up winning. And you ended up being ready. So fuck them in the yeah. face. Well, I mean, f- physically, I didn't feel, well, mentally, I didn't feel ready. Like, my physically wanted to vomit, and my yeah. legs were shaking. And you still have that? No, it went I away. Do. I still do. Really? Yeah, it, every now and then. I get really nervous with shit. I mean, which is weird. Like, uh, today I got, like, the Facebook invite for First Avenue's Halloween. I've hosted it for years now. It's been yeah. over a decade. And I still, I still get nervous as fuck before this thing. I think it's because, I mean, I have a therapist and everything, but I think I sort of worked it out, like, stage is the place where I want to be doing comedy. And, like, my mantra is always, like, uh, this is exactly where you want to be right now. See, so take advantage of that. I used to have that, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used okay. to be like, this is what you do. You're good at it. Everybody, you know, people like it when you do it. Go up there. Have fun. Then, I think doing Drinking With Ian, before I went out for a first one, I was like backstage just pacing around and a little voice went in my head went you don't have to do this yeah. and then that was the worst revelation I could have had I really wish I had like a strong like this is your destiny son yeah. you are a Highlander <laughs> but no all I had is you could go home like you could just leave right fucking now no one I mean who cares yeah fuck it uh, but anyway but back to a uh, funniest person with the day job and that was it uh, the house comedy in the mall of Americas right yeah that was that uh, no I was unbelievably nervous every single time the last time I almost fainted this doesn't taste that strong which is probably a good thing it's like six, seven drinks in one bowl so. anyway I'm sorry go on yeah, and I don't know. I won it somehow. Yeah, and then you got like you got a big big check. I got a thousand dollar check. Fuck yeah! And it was physically big in addition to monetarily. Big. Well, they actually gave me cash, but and, yeah. Yeah, but you but you couldn't pose naked with the cash. Right. So, yeah. but you did it with a big ass check. I did it with a big ass check. I think part of it was because I was like, it's awesome that 
a woman won this. It's sure. Awesome yeah, that, exactly. It's yeah. awesome that it's me. Like, what could I do that's like real, like baller and silly? Yeah. That is just like ridiculous. And I was like, I'm gonna. I woke up one morning and I was like, I I need to take a naked picture with this check. That would be the funniest mm-hmm. thing I could possibly do with this stupid, dumb, giant check. Did you contact a photographer or did you use a timer? I used a timer. Okay. I had to download a timing app to my thing. And then I was like, this isn't good enough. So when I uh, got headshots, we redid it. We redid oh, the, you re- the oh yeah, because there is a glammy. Yeah, I guess yeah. It is, the version I'm familiar with is pretty glammy. It doesn't seem yeah. like a first thing in the yeah, morning. Yeah, I did. I redid, I redid it. Because I wanted to, like, I knew that the next contest was coming up soon. And I wanted to, like, have... Like a gl- very glamorous yeah. version of that. Because photograph. classy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, and since you were the uh, the winner of the funniest person with a day job, that of course then transitions into your day job. What the fuck do you do? Uh, I'm a case manager for long term homeless adults. So basically, like when I first started nine years ago, I would. Uh, nine years. Yeah, it's been a long time. The burnout rate on something like that has to be it's insane. It's usually like two or three. Yeah. Uh, I would. Um, take applications from like the shelters and stuff and decide who would be the best fit for the program like the most disabilities the most vulnerabilities but who could live alone and and then get them into apartments and then work with them on all, all the other stuff that they needed to work on maybe mm-hmm. the stuff that had led to their homelessness no matter what it was uh, it's a it's a harm reduction program and a lot of people aren't familiar with that phrase but I'm, that just I'm one means, of them yeah, yeah I don't know what that means so that just means like we would we wouldn't require sobriety. We don't. We still don't. We won't require sobriety. We don't require you to adhere to your meds for mental health. We don't require any of that. We just um, get people into apartments and work on that stuff later. And it's like driven by the participant what they want to do with their lives. How did you get into this? Because I mean, this. I, and I've always been really impressed with you about this. And not that you're doing it, to, you know, to impress people, but it's just such an adult. thing. Thing that I'm surprised that people <laughs> in my peer group do it, and let alone have been doing it for nine years. Yeah. Because my mom uh, worked with battered women um, at, a, at a shelter uh, in Indiana, and I think did it for five or six years. But I mean, literally the last couple of years, she was just like, I can't deal with this yeah. anymore. Like, I mean, in my mom, I hold up to be like the supreme adult, as most yeah. people do. So to know you, that's just mind blowing. How did you find? What made you want to do this? Uh, do you know Janthy Kyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Janthy was working at the women's shelter, and we were friends from. We I I knew Robin. Yeah. So Robin introduced her me. husband. Yeah. Her and husband. she sings for uh, Black Audience. Black Audience. She's in a bunch of other bands now. Yeah, but she's in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you see a, if you see a hot stuff. black woman in Minnesota with a big afro belting it out, chances are it's trying to think. Yeah, <laughs> six out of ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I like those odds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was hanging out with her at Palmer's, and she was complaining about her job working at the women's shelter. And I was like, I want to do that. So somebody so, walks up to you and goes, man, this sucks. Yeah. And you're like, fuck yeah. I, I want like, in on that. That sounds great. And I was working at the bookstore, at a bookstore, bookstore? Uh, Cummings. It's gone oh, yeah, down yeah. in Dickytown. And I was like, you know what? I want to do that. Like, I want to do something that's not this. And uh, Bookstore. Just dragging me down. Kind of. How can I? <laughs> well, I was never going to get above making eight bucks an hour yeah. at the bookstore either. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit more whatever so I knew I'd be good at it uh, I got a job there like the next week and they hired me and did a good interview and then uh, like a year and a half later they were starting a new program that was harm reduction housing first and I was like let's do this I want I applied and I got in so how and what have you taken away from this what have you learned 
Because, I mean, this is... I've learned that comedians have no idea what homelessness actually is. Okay. <laughs> well, so then what is it? I mean, in, in, in briefly synopsize. What, what, then what... Because, I mean, you see, I mean, in, you know, terms like, like privilege get thrown around a lot, but you, you see it kind of first case with, with comedians a little bit faster than you'd see it with your average yeah. friend because yeah. they're actually up there exercising that. What have you seen, you know, what is homeless? How off are people's perceptions of what they think? Super off. I mean, yeah. it has, like, it hasn't necessarily changed a lot of my opinions. It's just made me know a lot more behind what I was talking about like yeah. uh, when you know there was all this stuff about stopping healthcare here I was like you guys don't actually understand how I see people who might have been millionaires or at least making $100,000 a year end up in the homeless shelter Jesus seriously because, yeah because you, you lose everything when you don't have healthcare yeah. or like especially a mental illness and there's no you know support system or whatever you lose all your money you can't work so I see a lot of that uh I don't know. It's just people like there's there's so there's so many there's a huge variety of different stories. There's not like one typical people of course. Have, you know one typical thing that leads somebody to homelessness. But uh, yeah, you see a lot of different stories and no, it's, are it's, you it's, it's it's annoying to see people just be like I saw a homeless guy. Yeah, you don't fucking know if you saw a homeless guy. You probably work with a homeless guy. You yeah, idiot. Jesus. Um, now. Talking earlier about the burnout rate, do you think that uh, you, you expedited your entrance into comedy to kind of well, yeah, work against the burnout? Sort no, I think I, I think I put more effort into comedy because I knew that I couldn't do social work like as drug case management like this yeah. forever. I just know I can't. I yeah. don't want to do it forever. I'm not sure what's going to happen to me, but it was like it was like I'm going to go back to college. Well, I'm doing this job, or I'm gonna put everything I have into comedy, and I was like, "Well, let's see where comedy takes me in the next two years," and yeah. then, you know, and pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Not um, too bad. I mean, it's not like I'm famous or anything, but hey, I, you're I, famous I, enough to be on my leadoff <laughs> episode of Dive Bar Mitzvah here tonight. Dive Bar Mitzvah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you basically you come up with a name like Dive Bar Mitzvah, and then you just kind of come up with a half-ass concept yeah. to back it up. I googled it right after I thought of it. Like somebody had to have this already, and they didn't. Like I, I, awesome. I got so many just like John Cougar concentration camp. I thought I was the smartest man yeah. in the world. Like, oh, that was a band. Shit. Yeah. Oh, such a good name. But yeah, Dive Bar Mitzvah hadn't been taken yet. But I so, love before and afters. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's Wheel of Fortune funny, you know? So, you're doing all of this. How does this influence your comedy, if at all? Because this is such a dark... I mean, is it dark? I mean, am I am I, am I just being like a no, liberal right. dick, just assuming, no. like, oh, this is so sad. Oh, it's so sad. And then you have that it's sour sad, look on your but face. It's also, no, no, no. It's pretty sad, but it's also, like, a, just reality, you know? Yeah. I can't. I can't, like... There's not... There, I'm not going to walk away from that job... And then all of a sudden, forget everything that happened. Of you know, course. like it's just reality. Like How has it affected your life? I mean, you just bought a house. I mean, you're obviously, you know, like conscious of things ago, like yeah. that. I mean, how? I mean, have you set up fail safes in your own life? I have so many fucking forms of insurance. Really? I have like insurance for everything. I have like if my if my main drain clogs, I have insurance for that. I have a homeowner's insurance. I have dog insurance. I have dog, you have dog insurance. I have dog health insurance. Your so, dog is like, you know, how old? Yeah, uh, one of them is like 13 and the other one is 9. And the, but they're both better insured than I was when yeah. I was 29. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's like 90% coverage with a $100 deductible. Jesus, really? So, yeah. 
So, I mean, given I pay a lot for it, but I wouldn't, I, I, you know, like my friend's dog got leptospirosis, which is... Uh, made up words. Yeah, what? yeah. Uh, and it cost $15,000. Jesus fucking Christ, $15,000 fucking but dollars? It's, but it's a curable little thing. And it's not a little fucking thing if it's $15,000. Yeah, but it... Fifteen thousand dollars? Yes. yes. I've she, never. I've not. But she, I've, every I made, car I've ever owned didn't dog, cost. When she got her dog, I like made her get dog insurance, so she said like oh, okay. she owes me like seven thousand dollars if Fuck we split yeah, it down does. the middle. Jesus <laughs> Christ! But it's just like a common thing that dogs get from like running around in the woods and drinking weird water. Yeah. And it just happened. So and it's curable, and they just need a bunch of like antibiotics and a few days of IV fluids. Yeah. It still ended up costing. More than every car I've ever bought put together. Me too. So, yeah. How do I get out of the sick dog conversation? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know Pretend either. Yeah, 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 I was, so, but anyway, you set up. Yeah, I have, all the, I have all the insurance. And, if, and, and you're listening to this. I mean, you have a fair amount of history of this. What do you recommend for the, the general, like I assume either of us are or would be like, um, how, what can you do to kind of safeguard your future a little bit? And that sounds so fucking dry. But, I mean, it's true. I mean, you've seen this not, you've seen, uh, you know, the safety mechanisms fall through on people. What what have you learned? What what can we all do not to be fucked, I guess, is well, what I'm trying to ask here. Don't do drugs. Oh, fuck you. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm, not, I'm looking for advice, not a new fucking dad. Jesus. Uh, I mean... There's not a ton of things you can do. It's not. It's the system's fault. It's not an individual's fault. But I mean, but, but it's the individual who's going to end up fucked. Yeah, I mean, if you have the opportunity to get health insurance, get it immediately and always have it. Uh, that will. I mean, especially with situations with mental health, if you're like suicidal or you start hallucinating, like men- health insurance, you don't want to deal with having to learn how to pay a bunch of fucking bills like you yeah know, that that's that stuff is crazy uh i mean not everyone can buy a house or whatever but like have a trade have something you're interested in if you if you're like in art like the all of my friends if you have art or projects that you're doing also have something that you can make money from that you're really good at as a trade like whether it's cutting hair or graphic design making posters yeah. or something just a little something where you can rustle up some cash yeah i mean i've been you know i mean my real gig's been graphic design for 20 years now 15 yeah. years and if i didn't have that i fucking horrified yeah how little i would have gotten laid like i mean it just really introduced <laughs> me to <laughs> no but i mean yeah cuz it's always been one of those things that i, I can kind of get by we're not even halfway through this fucking fishbowl yet but i think we would be i think we're much further along than anyone else would be which makes me happy. Yeah, we're doing a good job. Um, so, and you host uh, some events around town. Uh, one of which I kind of, I, I kind of helped you with, sort yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, we got you got Tuesday open mics at the Chatterbox in St. Paul, and that's been going great, right? And yeah, I haven't absolutely. been there because I'm a bad, I'm a bad helper. No, you've been there a few times. It was fine, and I don't expect you don't need to go there. Like I got it under control. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I never, I, I don't go there to check up on you. I just go there and make it yeah. seem like it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm still you know a part of this yeah that's going good and it's nice to have a room and i think people feel a little different about me than well i mean as a host they okay. know that my politics uh, are a little different um like i there's definitely rooms that have a different vibe depending on who the host is yeah and like i really like to encourage like uh, young comedians that are women <laughs> and mm-hmm. 
gay or queer or Does, however they identify. Is that um, in, in a liberal-ass city like Minneapolis, is that still an issue? Yeah, absolutely. Really? I mean, the more aggressive mics... Uh, and I, I don't, like, censor anyone. I just, like... Make fun of them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Which is a way of censorship, but yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. It's a, it's comedy. You yeah, exactly. Make fun get, of get a little bit. Get away with bit. anything, yeah. Like if somebody says something truly like gross on stage, and the whole audience is just like, ah, this, for example, this sucks. Come I on, hate help this. me out here. What do you give me an example here? Uh, anything I talk about will be something one of my friends did. So, but if somebody says something truly like terrible on stage, like something about all women deserve to be raped or something uh-huh. like I need to be able to make a joke yeah get back on stage shame them like in a funny funny way so you have about two set, minutes to I come up with a funny anti-rape to, joke yeah, yeah to like set the crowd back to like this is funny and I feel more comfortable back more comfortable in this room I'm not mm-hmm. gonna leave yeah like and that's so every that's, that's like yeah that's every that's, that's every, every Tuesday, Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> at the Island yeah. Park in St. Paul stop by uh, no, I mean, it's like, been going really like, well, and I'm really glad to see that uh, it's kind of developed a little bit of a community, and there are a lot of good comics there, and they're actually, you know, honing their craft and not just yeah. doing the same shit every week. Yeah. Well, you kind of have to do the same shit every week if you want to get good, but yeah. it's it's nice to see people coming back so often and going to other open mics that they're getting something to where they like it and then starting on new stuff and not the same five minutes for a year. Yeah. So. You got anything else you're working on right now? Yeah, uh, this Sunday, actually. This might be out by then, maybe. Awesome. Uh, I'm starting a new open mic at Sisyphus Brewery with oh, yeah, Chris yeah, yeah. called Donut Party. Yeah, I saw that. So, so, every, so that's going to be every Saturday at Sisyphus. Uh, Sisyphus. Sunday. Sunday. S- Sunday. Every Sunday at 2. At oh, God, 2:30. we're wrapping this up right on time. Yeah. 2.30, uh, sign up in person and 3 o'clock 2:30? show. 2.30? It's an what afternoon. It's donuts and beer. It's an afternoon. Well, I'm glad you're doing the chatterbox. Two <laughs> thirty. Yeah. Jesus, that's early. It's not competing with anything else going on. I would on. imagine fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Sisyphus, uh, which is like kind of become the uh, comedian's brewery of choice. The well, owner very tied in, huh? They're yeah. building a room. It's and opening Chris up. Chris Knudsen's uh, going to be recording his new album there at the end of the month. I'm so. going to be on that show too. Look on at the you. 25th and 26th, yeah. And it's going to be recorded no, for Stand Up Records, uh, one of yeah. our sponsors. We like our comedy like we like our booze. Straight up and bitter. Check them out at StandUpRecords.com or buy crap at StandUpCrap.com. Their new album's coming out from the uh, aforementioned Mary Mack and also uh, Maggie Ferris, who are awesome. Um, our big sponsor here, who we're really happy to have, is One Car Service. Uh, arrive in style with One Car Service. Give uh, me a the, ride home, One yeah, Car. Yeah, I know, right? They're uh, the ones who are in charge of getting us home and here safely. Can't be happier they're our sponsor. Driving smiles without extra miles. Call 612-545-5848. Program that in your phone right now for a ride or uh, find them on Facebook. Yet again, that phone number 612-545-5848. Call them. Get a ride. Uh, I'd like to thank our first ever guest on Dive Bar Mitzvah, Miss Raina May. Do you have any words of wisdom to take us out on while I try to finish off this fucking fishbowl? I've been watching a lot of um, Treme, and I actually ran into you randomly in New Orleans once. And this is how, this is exactly how, where I feel like what, yeah, this is. 
This yeah. is a very New Orleans vibe right now today, right here. Well, because you're being accosted by music without asking for it, which is yeah. kind of, you know, you translate that to French, and that's basically what's on all the bumper stickers yes. there. Yes. Uh, I've got family in New Orleans, and I, it has afforded me a great opportunity to dislike Zydeco like a local. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, I hear it on a commercial, I get pissed yeah. off. No, like, me too. Just, I, do, I totally dislike it. You just hear it walking by shitty stores with... Uh, with uh, you know that sell beads and I got bourbon faced on shit street shirts. Once I almost fucked a guy in a Zydeco band and I was like, I can't do this. Was that here in town? Yeah, he was touring. He was okay. from, he was from New Orleans. A lot of follow up questions I have there, but I'll save Maybe that for another the next episode. time. <laughs> really? Wow, Zydeco found its way to your heart. Uh, all right, everybody. That's the first episode of Dive Bar Mitzvah. We're going to be uh, unloading these things every week. Check back next week. I don't know who's going to be our guest. Uh, I think it might be Steve McClellan. Um, this was actually going to be a dry run episode because Patty Costello is going to be my first guest like he was on Dream With Ian. But Patty just bought a house and has a kid and responsibilities, and I don't have the sway to pull favors like I used to. <laughs> so maybe he'll be on soon. I don't know, but uh, check back next week uh, and follow us at uh, Twitter at Dive Bar Mitzvah and we don't have a theme song so if this you're in a band it. yeah this might be it uh, so if you're in a band I guess send us one maybe we'll use it I guarantee we'll use it once so we're looking for a theme for that follow us uh, at Twitter at Dive Bar Mitzvah my name's Ian Rands thank you for listening a round of applause for Raina May yeah Dive Bar Mitzvah Dive Bar Mitzvah, Dive Bar Mitzvah.